Coming up, how many types of haunt scares are there? We'll find out today. Welcome to the show. I'm Philip. On the Haunted Attraction Network show, we bring Halloween to you every weekday. We have news, on-location coverage, and interviews from experiences around the world. Whether you're a Halloween enthusiast or professional, each episode helps you celebrate the best holiday. If you're new to the show, our podcast website has categories and the search function to help you sort through our massive 700-episode catalog. Visit our podcast website at haunt.news or simply search for us in your Spotify app to get started. Today, we're airing an episode from one of our partner stations, The Scare Factor. The Scare Factor is a nationwide haunted house review website and directory, and this episode is from their companion podcast. As I mentioned at the top of the show, this episode discusses the different types of scares you will encounter at a haunt. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, boils and ghouls, it's the Scare Factor Podcast, Season 2. I, my name is Brian. Uh, I am of Team Skelligor in Central New York. I am joined this week by Tiffany of Team Terror Techies in Seattle, Washington. Tef- Tiffany, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Good. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> it's uh, So it's just us this week. Yes. Um, so that's that's fun. Um, this week we're talking about types of scares, uh, some fun scare actor stories that we have because both Tiffany and I have worked in haunts and... You know, so we've seen both sides of this, both as patrons of haunted houses and as employees of haunts. So we have, uh, you know, some unique insight here that I think we can share on these different types of things. So, Brian, how long have you worked at a haunted house? Even though that sounds really scripted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and to be fair, that is totally not scripted. That's the first time I'm hearing the question. So I worked at a haunt for uh, three years. Uh, that was with... Um, Frightmare Farms in Palermo, New York. Um, you know, I'm still friends with a handful of people that work there. I'm still friendly with the uh, management. I'm going to be reviewing them this year, so that's fun. Nice. How long did you work for a haunt? Um, so I've been working for haunts for over 20 years, and I've worked at five different haunts because I've moved across country. <laughs> so you you definitely have the uh, the experience here bit but like each haunt that i worked at was like slightly different um yeah i meant there are different types like outdoor and indoor and uh multi haunts and singular haunts so i think all five of them were pretty distinctly different probably the first and the last one was the closest overlapping but um yeah (laughs) i i've been to a lot of haunts and i've been acting for a really long time that's awesome. Yeah, I've I've done some acting, uh, you know, in small projects outside of haunts, uh, but um, you know, nothing really horror driven. Just kind of, uh, you know, friends who are shooting a, a short film or something, and they needed me to, you know, play a small part, that sort of thing. But yep. you know, it's it's all it's all good. It's all theater anyway, right? So types of scares. Now there's a lot of different types of scares, and we're going to do our best to kind of generalize what they are because. You know, I'm sure anybody listening can think of some really specific scare that they saw that they've never seen anywhere else, but it it kind of fits into a generalized sort of umbrella for some different types here. Um, And I think the most common type of scare that you're going to see in a haunt is going to be a jump scare. So like a jump scare is you walk into a scene and whether you see the actor or not – the scare comes when they 
either make a sudden movement or they make a noise or they do something that is very sudden and unexpected and it makes you jump. That's why that's kind of why it's called the jump scare. Yeah. We always kind of like commented how a jump scare would be it makes the patron jump, but it also makes like your action that you're doing is kind of like you jump out of the room, you jump out of a box, you uh, basically pop in and pop out. Um, yeah, it's a very, very common type of scare. Um, some haunts just like really rely on only jump scares. Um, but I don't know. Would you call like a chainsaw can be a jump scare? I, I think... If it was set up correctly, it could be, right? So if you, I don't know, I guess if you walked into a scene and you uh, didn't see anybody else in there, and then all of a sudden the sound of a chainsaw, right? Uh, I guess that could kind of fall under a sort of jump scare because, you know, the sudden sound, uh, you know, an otherwise quiet area could make you jump. Sure, it could be, it could come as a, a startle. So- we actually saw a strange one last year where uh, we went by this window and we had the chainsaw come out of the window. Just that was a full on jump scare with a chainsaw, which was it was weird because obviously the actor couldn't chase us, but we weren't expecting a chainsaw to come out of a window. So I think that's one. Of it was group. was it just the chainsaw? No, it was chainsaw plus actor. Oh, yeah, it was kind of like a pop scare. That's oh okay. Yep. All right. <laughs> That's uh yeah. So like so definitely some jump scares can be you know kind of big like that. Um, you know I think if you asked anybody who's ever been through a haunted attraction, hey, what's an example of a jump scare? You know they could think of a hundred different times they've been in a haunt and an actor comes out of the dark just from nowhere. And that's that seems to be the most typical, I think. Yeah, I kind of want to say like a jump scare is definitely up there, like for actor perspective of like one of the more dangerous scares for that reason. Um, that's the one that you're most likely to get hit or injured. Um, I kind of remember like early on at my third haunted house, I was in like a pop out window and being in a pop out and doing jump scares like that way opening up the shutters and then hiding back in um yeah <laughs> that was kind of a favorite thing for people is to kind of think that i was a prop and then punch at me but um it's definitely one of the most like aerobic type of scares there's other kinds but that was definitely yeah. the one i think <laughs> took yeah the most yeah for straight. sure for sure, yeah. If you're doing a specific movement over and over, it can be uh, can become quite the gym routine. Um, it's like CrossFit, yeah, you know. You know, and it's like even if you were an animatronic, even if that was a prop scare, why do people think it's okay to swing at anything inside of a haunt? Oh goodness, I have no idea. Like, like if you know that that's your response to being scared, why are you there? Yeah. Like, you paid money for this. Right. Um, yeah, no, I really honestly don't have any answer or philosophy or even, like, a theory of it, because I agree. Like, that was something that we always kind of asked. Um, 
like ourselves, like whenever I was acting or even like coaching actors, it was just kind of why, like, why would you pay to get scared? And then we scare you and then you like attack one of our actors or you punch at them or, you know, plethora of other things. Yeah, it's and I've seen videos on the Internet. There was one that was going around last year of this kid he i don't know he must have been in college or something younger guy and he's in a haunted house and there was i think it was an animatronic that kind of you know it popped up or something whatever the case was and it it took him by surprise as you know intended and uh he oh man he took a swing at this thing and i think he broke it if i remember correctly and it just like i i don't understand like do you think you're cool for doing that do you think like people are going to think highly of you? I'm sure your parents must be really proud of you. Right. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I don't get it. You know, like why, why would you pay money to go into a place where, you know, the intent is to startle you or otherwise scare you. And then you're going to take a swing at anything that accomplishes that. And then you run the risk of getting thrown out, getting arrested, getting a ticket, whatever the case may be, like any sort of punishment that comes after that. Like, why? Right. Yep. I mean, yeah, I don't really have a whole lot to add to that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just like it is the weirdest thing to me. Right. You know, but on the other side of that, too, it's like, um, you know, I've been to a few haunts as a reviewer and, you know, we've all seen it. Uh, you know, we've seen that, you know, working at haunts and going to haunts, you see a group of girls and they're being followed by dad, who clearly is not amused because he's been dragged into this because they're all scared or whatever the case is. And like dad just isn't getting any of the entertainment that he paid for. Right. You know, none of the scares are directed at him. Nobody's paying any attention to him. It's like, yeah, he's not really there because he wants to be there, but the guy paid the same amount as anybody else to to go inside. So, like, why is he not getting what he paid for? And that's happened to me personally. Um, you know, I was on a hayride last year, and, you know, it, it was a big wagon. So, understandably, not everybody's going to get a scare every scene, which that's a whole nother thing. But, you know, I, I noticed that where I happen to be sitting – not very far from me was a group of, I don't know, 14, 15 year old girls who were screaming at everything, you know, uh, you know, a twig brushes against their leg and they're freaking out. And so, of course, all of the scares are being directed at them because, yeah, low hanging fruit, I'm guilty of it, too. But uh, look, you know, as, as far as these actors know, I paid the same amount of money as anybody else on this wagon. Why am I not getting any attention here whatsoever? And I think part of it is because I'm being viewed as like this boyfriend who got dragged along or dad who got dragged along. Yeah. So I actually saw a really cool one. Like, um, hayrides are not my favorite attraction. I feel bad saying that, but they're not because of the same thing. It's like you're with a group. It's hard to scare a group. Um, there's this like sense of like, oh, these people are not really able to get that close to you. Um, so there's like a lot of reasons that hayride attractions don't do it to me but what was interesting and again the one that i visited last year um they had plexiglass up on the like actual like hayride 
And so you had constantly actors coming in and banging on the plexiglass. And so, but they came out of nowhere. Like you can't see. <laughs> and okay. so they were like I true like pop yeah. out scares, um, which is not too common on a hayride because you normally could see them down the way, but they would pop out of whatever and they would be pretty close to the trailer where you can't see. And then they, all of a sudden they would pop up and pop pop with the plexiglass. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I I like that. Yeah, I like that because it, you know, it, it solves the problem of the hayride, right? Is because you can't get the typical right. sort of scares that you can get in another in you know walkthrough attractions. You know, it just without stopping the train it, or the you know the wagon, and then and then it's like okay, so an actor's going to get on, right. and uh, you know it. I don't know. It takes me out of it just so quickly. You know, so have having that, I think that's that solves one of the fundamental problems of hayrides. Yeah. Um, also, like, since we're talking about hayrides, um, how about, what do you think about the narrator on hayrides? So, that type yeah. of, it's not really a scare, but it's definitely a actor character that you run into. Yeah, and I think almost every hayride I've ever been on, there has been at least you know, a, a narrator of some sort, right? So I've been on some where the, you have a narrator and it's very clear that's what they do. And they stand at the front of the wagon and they tell you like, Oh, we're coming into the cemetery. Better hope that nothing comes out of the graves. But like, of course it will, because why else would I have paid money to be here? Right. Um, I, I'm going to be disappointed if nothing comes out of those graves, um, you know, or uh, here we go into the dragon's den Oh, where's the caretaker? Oh no, Fluffy ate the caretaker. Not again. So have you, you ever know, <laughs> had the one where you're sitting and the trailer or the hayride like stalls on a train track or with a vehicle or a semi and it comes out on a zipline? I've I've never seen that particular um you know, I I don't I I hesitate to call that a scare, although it totally is. It is. <laughs> um, I've I've never seen that particular effect. Oh, yeah. The two hayrides, again, I don't go on hayrides that often, so it's really hard for me to say of like, oh, it's a typical thing. Both of them use a version of that scare. I think one was like a car or a semi because the headlights were really high, and then all of a sudden you've seen a lot of lights coming at you. And then the other one was definitely a train with the train whistle coming up at you. So you have the noise, you have the lights. Um, but I think like that one was the most like impressive. <laughs> yeah, and I think that that effect, you know, that also solves one of the fundamental problems of hayrides, right? Because how do you scare? a group of let's say 15 or 20 people for your you know typical wagon size how do you scare them all at the same time yeah right because you have you have different you have different eye lines you can't really direct where people are looking because you're on the you're on a wagon and there's things happening all around you people are looking all over the place so how do you direct their attention where you want it to be directed is one of the problems that you're going to grapple with if you have a hayride. So that solves that problem right there. We're going to make a lot of noise and make people look at this thing. Right. 
I know that, but like it's it's not your typical, you know, uh, uh, you know, ghosts and ghouls kind of scare. That's that's a very real thing that people are afraid of. Yeah, I think again because I thought it would have been more typical or more common because it's a pretty simple effect, air quote simple. Um, like I know the train one literally is just a really bright light with like the train horn and it's on a zip line. Um, to me, that would be a really easy setup. Right. But right. Um, the semi one was slightly more impressive, but I'm pretty sure it was just like this rig, like you didn't actually see a front of a semi or anything like that because it didn't get that close. All you seen was a whole bunch of lights. So, um, yeah, I just, I thought both of them were cool, but like I also <laughs> assumed until now that it was like a uh, hayride cannon to like see those. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I would think that that would be a more common thing, though I've never seen it. Yeah, that's um, weird. At least not that I can think of. Um, I have seen, or I, I know of that effect being used in a walkthrough attraction. I think it's in Canada, actually. Um uh, you know, so just on the other side of uh, Lake on uh, Lake Ontario, there's a haunt, and it, you've probably seen the pictures on Facebook. All the people who are like totally freaked out on haunted house, and uh, the the effect. Uh, spoilers, you know, plug your ears if if you're gonna go to this place and you don't know what it is. So the effect is, uh, you you walk into the scene and you're told to wait there, and you see headlights, so bright lights. Uh, across the room from you and then all of a sudden they start shooting towards you and there's a horn blowing the idea is a car is going to crash into you or a truck or something and there's a camera attached to the rig that's speeding towards you and it takes your picture uh when it gets to the end right um so you know that's i i know of the effect um and i i do know of the one place that does it but i've never personally experienced it i have but now you're going to ask me where, and I honestly don't remember where. It's been a couple of years since I've seen it, but i definitely been to like that haunt that takes a photo when a semi is coming at you, <laughs> and yeah. it really does work. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, because, again, it's a very real fear that, you know, people could reasonably have. You know, it's not like... Okay, Nora's afraid of spiders. Okay, I think everybody, for the most part, is kind of like, eh, spiders. But nobody is irrationally afraid, running away, literally terrified, because they saw a spider. Yeah, I mean, there's, we kind of talked about it before last season, is there's the clown phobia. And right. playing a clown for many, many years, I have definitely seen people run away terrified of clowns. <laughs> facts <laughs> oh sure sure i've i've played a clown once or twice and people are i think most people are like mm, i need to keep an eye on you because i don't trust you right you know it's like i'm the nice one <laughs> i'm the nice clown <laughs> to be fair that was around the time when like people were dressing up as clowns and then killing people you remember that whole yeah. thing so yeah that it was right around that time so like and it was right when uh it chapter two was coming out in theaters so people were a little bit on edge when somebody was dressed up as a clown right so we're kind of flirting with 
to other like famous types of scares, I think we'll continue on with the clowns. So one scare that it kind of reminds me of is the mannequin scare. So you have a clown, you have all these mannequins dressed up like clowns, except there's one real actual clown or person in a clown mask in this room. Yeah. And that's, I think that's going to be the most common setup that most people will see this type of scare. Um, It it could also be done in a room full of just plain old mannequins, uh, you know, and you have an actor blended amongst them. If uh, for any of our returning listeners, everybody knows I hate mannequins. Yes, they freak (laughs) me out. No, I won't go with you to, you know, mannequin horror, whatever, haunted house. And Is that a haunted house that you absolutely are phobic of? It, mannequin uh, horror? It's, and I don't even <laughs> think that I'm phobic of it in the sense of having a phobia, um, you know, at least not in the clinical sense. Um, it's It's definitely one of those things where... I'll hesitate walking into the scene when I can, once I see what's in there, I'm going to hesitate and I'm going to be really on edge. And I'm, I'm all I'm trying to do in that scene is trying to go to my happy place. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Um, one of them. So I've acted in mannequin scares. There was like two different ones that I did. So one, I was, in this like kind of medical thing and as an actor you act like a prop and it's the whole like instance when people go past you of like is that thing real and they're trying to decipher if you're a prop or not and then all of a sudden it kind of turns into like a jump scare or like I jumped down off of the operating table and chased after them um so that was like a type of a mannequin scare like I've actually Similar to, like, the pop-out, I've had people, like, touch me to see if I was real. Um, That was always really kind of strange for me. Uh, Because, again, it doesn't really make sense of why people do what they do, but they do. Yeah. (laughs) So, the other type kind of goes back to what we were talking about, where um, the room was set up, and there's a sheet. So, mannequins under sheets. Very simple. And there were two actors in that room that were actual actors. And so when you kind of went past or as people went past, the people who were actually actors would like loom and follow and kind of play this like, um, what do you call it? Uh, Green light, red light situation. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So when you're looking at them, they're not moving. Kind kind of an SCP-173 sort of deal. Yeah. And so it was fun and like people that went through got creeped out about it, or at least it would be something that they would really, really talk about and be very like, again, very aware and it's that stuck in people's head. That's kind of like the purpose of scares is be like, oh, there's that one room and that ghost just kept following me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, um. That's that's kind of my own personal hell right there. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, it's and it's not even like the the creep factor, you know, of the like, oh, you're gonna follow me. Like, I know you're gonna follow me. Like, I, <laughs> I walk in, I see, you know, all of these mannequins with sheets over their heads. Like, there's at least one actor among these, and it's gonna follow me, and whatever. Let's let's just get this shit done and over with. Right. Yeah. It's 
I would say it's a pretty popular one. Obviously, it's not a jump scare, but it's a really easy setup. Doesn't require much, um, as in like environment. Could be very elaborate costume, but it's a pretty like I said, ours was just sheets, so <laughs> that's yeah, not it's, really an elaborate costume. <laughs> but it's definitely effective, right? Because yeah. like, like it's I I think you know too many owners, managers, directors, whatever you want to call them, of haunted houses think that everything has to be super high action-packed all of the time. And if there's a scene that just isn't, you know, you know, uh, you know, absolutely climactic in its, in its, uh, you know, scare factor that, you know, it's not a good scene. And that just isn't the case. You know, some of the best haunts that I have seen or that I know about, have a gradual buildup of just creepy shit that happens in every scene. And then you get some really big, huge scares that really send people over the edge. So there's this kind of like, I think it's a philosophy that you would call it. Um, scareology <laughs> something that I heard used before, but essentially in designing a haunt and your scares and planning out your scares, it's kind of like a story. So you have like first um, conflict, you have the second conflict, there's some type of like resolution and lull, but it's not the final resolution. Then you have this like major conflict and then, you know, you could have like a slow gradual, like cool down type of thing, or you could just have it end at the major conflict and all of a sudden you're out of this room. Um, but I've seen like both of them. I've seen like haunts that are like constantly high energy in your face, people coming out anywhere, constant jump scare, jump scare, jump scare. <laughs> and yeah, then and it gets old real quick. Yeah. <laughs> and then I've seen it before where they definitely do like plan lulls. So for example, a mannequin scare after you had this like assault of senses where, you know, actors were coming out of everywhere and following you and, doing other types of scares that we're going to cover pretty soon yeah yeah and you know the other thing you know so the mannequin scare um it kind of starts out uh like a jack and jill sort of scare which is a different type of scare so jack and jill starts out usually as um i guess the most common method that you'll see this uh executed is you have one actor who is your distractor and it's that's that's Jill, right? So she's distracting you. Maybe she's talking to you or she's doing something. She's getting your attention somewhere else other than where Jack is. And when your attention is completely away from Jack, guess who comes running up behind you to give you the shock of your life? And so so that's the basic setup of that. Um you know, a lot of times it, it kind of plays out like that, where you have somebody who's talking to you and then you're and then the scare comes in from the side and it, it's kind of like an ambush. Um, you know, other times it's it can work out like a mannequin sort of scare where like you walk into a room and your attention is not focused completely on the actors. Right. You may know that there is an actor in there somewhere, but you don't know where, number one and number two. You know, you can't put your attention completely on that actor because, well, there could be more, right? Right. So um, I've actually only seen, like, 
Jack and Jill scares. I guess I've seen it with like two actors. Most commonly, I've seen it mostly like a uh, actor and a prop or animatronic to kind of hit back on animatronics. So normally the animatronic is um, what is the distracting thing and pulling your attention somewhere. And then all of a sudden, like an actor comes out. Um, I've seen it a lot with like chainsaws <laughs> um, where you could even use like two chainsaw people, but you hear the chainsaw somewhere else. So you're like, oh yeah, I know somebody is going to come to my left. And then all of a sudden somebody comes up right behind you. Um, I don't really know that many of, again, I don't really know that many of like actor. And so as a story, as an actor, again, I don't have a lot of that. I have a lot of animatronics. So one of the places that I've worked there was this like really loud uh, slammer animatronic. So slammer is the whole like loud noise against metal. And basically I did a mannequin scare. Like <laughs> I pretended that I was something else or it's just one of the scene or I was a mannequin. Right. But people just passed me and didn't pay attention to me. And then I would just like pop out of nowhere and follow them through. Um, this one had like kind of like a hidey hole so it could actually hide in the scene. So they took a corner and there was an actor, I've heard it called a lot of things, um, an actor hut or a space or basically it's just a corner of a room that is camouflaged to look like it's rounded. But in right. reality, so, yeah, I've heard it called an actor box or yeah, some, something to that degree. There's so many names for it. <laughs> But same same philosophy. That's what it would pop out of. So, um, but yeah, that's the Jack and Jill scare. Yeah, and that's that's a really common one that I think uh, you know most people have probably seen. Maybe they haven't realized it. Um, but you know, it's you know next time you go to a haunted house, watch out for one because you'll almost definitely see one. They're they're super common right behind jump scares and you know one of the things that you know maybe we kind of hinted at it is with the jump scares every single one of these can turn into a jump scare so easily um you know so with with the distraction too and you know you can kind of work this into a jack and jill sort of scare is something that i've heard called a white rabbit scare and so the way this works is you are walking down a hallway, and at the very end, you see an actor who goes scurrying across uh, perpendicular to the direction you're walking. And it's somebody that you see kind of reoccurring over and over again, and you can never really quite get to them because they're always just out of reach, right? And it's so it's like the white rabbit in Alice in Wonderland where she's chasing the white rabbit, which, yeah, let's not get into the fact that it's an allegory for drugs or whatever, but, um, you know, so it's. If you think about the uh, the movie Alice in Wonderland, you know she's chasing this white rabbit. She can never get the white rabbit, right? So that's that's kind of where this actor comes from. Now I've never seen one, uh, but I can think of you know a lot of situations where that could be used super effectively. Um, you know, I I think it would be it, it's a good in building that creep sort of factor. You right, know, Tiff. Have you ever seen one in person? So I have, and I kind of been a part of them. Um, I've seen them mostly in Q-Line. 
So basically, you have this character on stilts. You have a really like in your face, highly energetic um, Q line actor that's um, is able to like pop in and pop out. So in an outdoor haunt, you would pop in and pop out of corn a lot. So they would kind of like disappear and appear again. Um, actually, last year as a patron, um, <laughs> we had an actor that followed us through the queue line all the way through the haunted house and kept popping out, like using the actor pathways and just kept popping out in every room. And so it was just like, oh, no, there's that person. They're following me again and again and again. <laughs> um yeah, that's it's it's they're kind of being their own Jack and Jill sort of scare. Yeah, and it's weird. Um, not really so weird because again, as an actor, when we did the Q line actor thing, it depends on the night and stuff, obviously. But if it was a slower night and the Q actor believed like they could like disappear into the house for a second, like we definitely had actors that went through and would go through all the actor pathways, right? Because that's kind of like a time warp into <laughs> different areas of the haunt, but they would go through the actor pathways and just show up in scenes. Um, sometimes, like, it would be, like, a comedic character. Um, most of the time, it would be, like, a creep scare that we would have because it's not really to distract what the actors and the props were already doing in the scenes. Cause that could be a kind of off putting if you have a white rabbit that just appears <laughs> in a scene that you're not used to having a white rabbit in. Yeah. And that's, that's the other thing too, is like, you kind of have to plan out where they're going to be. You have to make sure that your patrons are going to see the white rabbit too, you know, because it's, it's kind of a wasted effort in, in building the atmosphere. If, nobody ever sees it right you know right. so if you're walking down a dark hallway and your actor is dressed dressed in all black well <laughs> is anybody going to see him you know so it's you know it's it's the sort of thing where you, you have to plan that out and you know that it's definitely one of the harder ones to accomplish effectively i think um it can I, again it does go into like a Jack and Jill, but because of like the nature of them popping in and out, like I said, I seen them mostly as Q line actors and you're not expecting to have that actor in there. Um, it's kind of like these one off again, like you see them on slower nights. Uh, you see them, it could be on busy nights, but they mostly just stay in the Q line. Yeah. Um, so along with the white rabbit, uh, and the, and the way that they kind of pop in and out, that works into illusions, which, oh, we can go for, I could go for hours talking about illusions. Um, some of the more common ones that people may have seen are like the uh, the fog swamp. Uh, so you, you walk into an area, there's fog being pumped into the room, and there's a laser that's maybe at chest height or waist height, and it creates this idea that you're wading through a swamp. And there might be actors who are hiding underneath the uh, the light, uh, you know, the level of the laser, and then they jump up at certain times. That can come at a risk because nobody can really see below that laser. And so you're, as an actor, you run the risk of getting kicked. Um, I've seen people who uh, 
or I've heard of people who who do that sort of scare and then they get seriously injured because people are trying to run through there because they're scared or whatever the case is. Yeah, um, we've had it because of the fog. It gets kind of slick. Yeah. The floor gets kind of slick. Um, we've had that before kind of adding to like the danger aspects. Not that it's, I don't think it's particularly dangerous, um, but it can be. It definitely can be the same way that we were talking about jump scares and, um, you know, like popping out and patrons is like a risk in general if you're really close to them. Because um, there's nothing normally in these illusion scares between you and the patron. Like, it's normally in minimal prop rooms. Um, there's nothing to hide behind <laughs> because the cover of darkness you could hide behind. But um, a lot of your illusions are kind of like that. There's definitely some, like, prop or straight-up, like, set designs that kind of do illusions that allow the actor to be safer. Yeah. Um, yeah. For example, like the ghost illusion. Oh, Pepper's Ghost, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you're uh, for anybody that doesn't know how this works, uh, again, spoiler alert, um, Pepper's Ghost works based on mirrors, um, or in this case, panes of glass, uh, and how light reflects against panes of glass that are at 45 degrees to one another. And so there's a few prerequisites. One, you need to have a very bright light on your actor. And two, you need to have panes of sheet glass. And so, no, it can't be plexiglass. It has to be glass. So those those things alone can cause some problems. But the basic idea here is in, in a separate room, you have an actor who's doing their act, whatever it is they're going to do. Um, the, the famous example of this is at Disney's Haunted Mansion, where you have the ghosts in the ballroom and they're, they're dancing. Uh, and the way that works is they have animatronics there doing it. And I think there's live actors sometimes. But uh, so basically you have your characters, whether they be animatronics or people or whatever. And they're dressed up in, their, in the costume and they are they're dancing. And so bright lights are being shown on them. And the reflection of them dancing is being passed through two panes of glass at 45 degrees to one another. And so when you look into this room, what you're actually seeing is the reflection on the glass of the the actors who are in a separate room. Um, there's, there's a whole diagram that goes with this that, uh, you know, some people may have seen if you're actually interested in this sort of thing, you've probably looked it up. You saw the diagram, you understand the basics of how this works. It's really, really cool when it, when it's done correctly. Um, that being said, a lot of times you get this bluish sort of color because of how white light reflects through glass and you get that prism effect going through the glass. So you get this sort of bluish purplish color, um, that helps in the whole, you know, ghostly appearance sort of thing. But, you know, if you want something a little more realistic, you know, and, and you know, fleshy, I guess, uh, maybe not the best option there. Um, you know, I, I've seen I've seen some proposals from people who talk about, like, doing Pepper's Ghost in a telescoping hallway. So uh, you do the infinite mirror trick. In, in a hallway, the basic, uh, plenty of people have seen the infinite mirror boxes, right? So you take a, a frame, you put a mirror in it, and you line it with lights, and then there's 
So you have a space between the lights and the mirror and it. It looks like it goes on forever. So I actually have a horrible story about uh, a mirror that it was how it could go wrong. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> so infinite hallway, right? Just imagine this infinite hallway. We have an actor that's this intimidation type actor and has a crowbar. <laughs> Oh, boy. I see where this is going. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly what you think it is. Um, yeah, absolutely running full force towards the infinite hallway because he was chasing patrons, right? And the idea is to get the patrons to, like, kind of half hit the illusion, like, plexiglass, a little bit, like, Roadrunner-style thing going on. Um, but the thing was is that the actor was running full flat uh full late down the patrons were able to pick up just fine and just avoid it right they knew that they had to take the left turn to get out of the actual room the actor however with his crowbar went through the illusion oh boy <laughs> into the back of the scene and so we had to like close that room section for quite a while to be able to clean up everything make sure the actor was all right but yeah, that's the one experience that we had. And then the other one was a uh, same illusion, but it was uh, flat, like on the ground. And this kind of goes to like patrons being gross and disgusting. But that one, um, people would like spit on the mirror and like throw stuff on it to like ruin the illusion. But we constantly had to have like an actor go through and clean it every so um every hour or so so that was interesting um yeah it was really hard to keep that illusion it was cool if nobody like messed with it but it was really hard to keep that thing clean and check on it all the time and we almost had like a dedicated actor that was their job to just go through the haunt and clean that thing Uh, why why are people just so awful uh, Again, I have no answers. Uh, oh people are not fun sometimes. If you're listening to this and you're one of these people, just stop. Why? Just, just don't don't, be why, why are you such an asshole? Just stop. Uh, yeah. Um, so, so other illusions that are really cool. I the best illusion I've seen was walking through a uh, a house type attraction and so you walk up a ramp and you're you're obviously gaining some elevation right and the exact amount it's not really noticeable i would say maybe three feet let's say three feet off the ground so you walk up you turn 90 degrees now you're on like a catwalk sort of platform and you're you know three three and a half feet off the ground uh you're walking from one side of a room to the other and it's it's a large room and perpendicular to you when you get to the center of the room is what you you see this like throne sort of chair and there's fog uh at at about the level of where your feet are there's something sitting in the chair all you see are these glowing eyes and so you walk in and the actor who's sitting in the chair with the glowing eyes starts his dialogue you know Prince of the Underworld, blah, 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 whatever, whatever his shtick was. Uh, he then, after his little monologue, gets up and starts walking towards you. 
Now, he's walking across the fog, so I assume he's on a platform at about the same level that I'm on. When he gets to the end, about, I don't know, six to eight feet away from me, he starts to fall forward and he disappears into the fog. As he as he disappears into the fog, these other little demon guys jump up out of the fog, over the railing, onto the platform with you. Oh my goodness, that would be... It is the coolest like, thing! Think of it as an actor. <laughs> but think of it as, like, an actor, like, in order to jump over the railing, like... You know the platform probably isn't, like, that deep, but still, like, that would take a lot. You're doing that about 300 times a night. <laughs> yeah, and it, I don't know that they were doing it that often, um, you know, and I'm not sure mm -hmm. what the setup looked like for these guys to come up out of the fog. I'm not sure what the height difference was, you know, right. so it could have been as simple as, you know, just stepping over something. Uh, but yeah, by the end of the night, I would be just flipping over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> face planting. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> yeah, you know, but like it was super cool. Um, yeah, it, it, that was probably the best scene and effect in that haunt uh, for a lot of reasons. But it, oh my god, it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen in a haunt. I have not seen anything that cool since. Um, I've seen some neat effects here and there, you know, some things that, you know, the uh, haunts will take uh, a classic effects like the uh, the laser tunnel. So you're walking through um, and this works like the laser fog or the, the fog swamp and or the, the laser swamp. What, are, what were we calling it? Laser swamp? I don't know. Anyway, um, laser. Yeah. Swamp. <laughs> so it works in a similar way. So you walk into a hallway. It's full of fog. There is a laser down at the end coming from the point at which the laser comes out, uh, it goes out into like a cone sort of pattern. Outside of that beam is the actor, and then when you get to a certain point, uh, the actor steps into the beam, you can now see them, it's it's a scare. Um, so I've seen some variations on that that were not too different from that, but uh, yeah, nothing yeah. so far that was like a completely original illusion like that. One of the cooler variations that I seen last year was basically instead of having it come at you or it being like flat, you know, at your feet or parallel to you, like you're in a swamp or water, um, it was essentially the walls along the side, like they were vertical. And I had an actor like pop out their hands out of the side of this what I thought was a wall. I was pretty sure it was a wall, but it turns out it wasn't. It was just all lasers. And so there was an actor in full black all of a sudden popping out their hands that were like right next to me towards me. And then uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That was the coolest use of the um, laser effects that I seen um, mostly because it was so different. It was very unique. So yeah, that's, that's neat. Thinking of illusions or the kind of illusions um, that I like or have seen. So there's, and this kind of goes into like prop and set. So it kind of deviates from scares, but um, like being frostbitten or cold. Um, like last year we went through a freezer as patrons and there were like scents piped in and it specifically, the temperature was slightly lowered. Um, it wasn't as enclosed. It was a, could be an outdoor haunt, but they 
didn't enclose it so it was like the natural october <laughs> air that was like coming in so it was a bit cooler than more of the enclosed like indoor areas of that um haunt but it was a really realistic like freezer effect and i've also been through one where they have like this krampus scene even though it's not a christmas haunt at the time it was the regular haunt that they had but in the Krampus scene, they had the uh, snow machine going on. So it wasn't actual snow. It was uh, the artificial snow that you could have going on. But um, again, just piping in a lot of um, sounds, kind of like wind bustling through. It's really cool. And it kind of really does give you a perspective that transports you or move you into that environment. And right. things start making sense. Like, it makes sense of like, oh, of course this will happen in a freezer or an actor's doing, you know, the same. So the freezer that I talked about, a butcher came out. That's not a shocker. And then the other one with Krampus, it's the abominable snowman. <laughs> I, I've seen some really good um, abominable snowman or Yeti sort of characters. And they're, I don't see them very frequently so when i do see them i'm usually very favorable to those characters but right yeah, i think um yeah that's i like that now what about like uh smells oh like scents in inside of haunts because i'm sure that most people have experienced this maybe without realizing it you know most of what i smell in a haunt is uh, you know, I smell the the musty sort of mildewy sort of smell because people leave things in haunts, and it snows up here, so we get cold and thawing seasons, and it just gets musty and kind of damp smelling. Um, and and fog. Oh my god, the smell of the fog. That's all I can ever smell. Right. So I've worked for, I think, out of the five haunted houses, three of them were really heavily like they use scents in each room. I don't know, again, kind of like with your experience, I don't really know how much people walking through actually realize, but definitely as actors and on the back end, it's it's rough. Um, <laughs> so one story that I have that's absolutely horrific was it was a boiler room and the actor that worked in the boiler room. So there's a scent made by a company that really are realistic scents. Um, and the name of the scent was called Charred Corpse. So it's the exact thing of like what you're thinking of. It's like burnt hair, burnt skin, that gorgeous scent. Well, the mm, scare actor, yummy. yeah, <laughs> the scare actor that was working in there used the whole entire bottle on themselves. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> so the haunt was reeking like Charred Corpse forever. Oh, my God forever i think it like saturated uh, into the skin um yeah technically the actor had to do a costume change but still smelled horrendous uh yeah we definitely I, learned the smell of charred corpse <laughs> now the question now the question is you know how did they get that scent how did they perfect that like how many bodies do they have to burn <laughs> to go mm, no it needs more burning hair smell Right. I, don't, I have no idea. Um, but I do. I can say like so I personally own one of the scents and that's called um, I think it's called like graveyard dirt. 
and it smells like raw wet earth and very mossy very earthy very wet like rain type of thing um I also have another so, one. Called- so it, it smells like scotch tastes then. Sure. <laughs> I've I, never had scotch, scotch I, but <laughs> at least sure. the scotch that I drink. I drink Lagavulin. Okay. Uh, which yeah, we're we're gonna get into this now. So <laughs> I drink expensive scotch. Okay. Um, and uh, so where that's made, they use uh, peat. Okay. Uh, when when they do the uh, so when they do the smoking process, they use peat. Because it's everywhere in Scotland, or at least on the island of, oh, I'm going to butcher the name of this, uh, Islay. So, um, yeah, it's it's everywhere, and it's it's a very earthy smell and very earthy taste, very peaty, is how I would describe it. So, the what, what you're describing, uh, I would imagine, smells how Lagavulin tastes. Um, Lagavulin isn't as strong as like Lafrague, uh, which again, scotch drinkers will know is a very pungent scotch. Right. Um, yeah. Sorry to go on the tangent. I just, it's, that was the first thing that popped into my mind. I'm like, Ooh, really earthy. Yeah. Mm, I could go for some scotch. Yeah. It's, I, I can't explain it other than like, it smells like what you think it smells like, <laughs> like, these are really realistic. <laughs> yeah, I would expect that to smell very earthy. Yeah, and they're strong. They are so strong. Like, normally it's just, like, one spray and you're good. And, yeah, this actor, whole bottle. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Not like, oh, my goodness, you put a lot of Axe on. Um, it's whole bottle. <laughs> oh, God. So it was... It was intense, um, and I'm pretty sure everyone that went through could not deny that smell. Like it was, you could smell it from any room. <laughs> oh man! Well, I mean, you know, credit due uh, to the <laughs> actor who really got into character, right? <laughs> I mean, you told this guy you're gonna play a burned corpse, and he's like, "Aye, aye." <laughs> he executed. I'll I'll give him that much. Hold my gallon of water. I got this. <laughs> yeah, hold hold my piss bucket. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, um, it kind of fits. So, um, one of the scares that we mentioned earlier was the intimidation scare. So it's basically when you have this really huge actor that kind of works um we call them boomers sometime based off of a game but it's where you have an actor that like takes up a whole room or whole space and actually the side purpose of this is to break up conga lines so do you have any experience with that brian um so there was one guy who who was in one of these roles uh, when I worked at Frightmare Farms. His name is Sean, and he is just the sweetest guy you've ever met. But my God, is he gigantic. Um, he's, if I recall correctly, he's a firefighter, um, a volunteer firefighter during the day. So, uh, you know, really nice guy. He'd really go out of his way to do anything for you, but he he big and scary. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you know, and then they put him in these like, uh, you know, platform boots. And so he's already like six, five or something. And they put him in these platform boots and now he's like almost seven feet tall. And uh, they put him at the end of the hunt, which I didn't fully understand because, you know, with these intimidation sort of roles, you want them somewhere in the middle so that they can break up these conga lines. They can kind of get space in between and you can kind of reset for the second half of that show. But uh, they had him right at the end as the big scare. And, you know, that's I'm trying to think of other times where I've seen this sort of. Yeah, and nothing really comes to mind. Um, and I guess because it's not really a significant type of scare. Yeah, I definitely seen it used. It's really OK. So I do have to say this. It's really hard to cast an intimidation scare. Like, it's just not your cast that's auditioning yeah, no, for you, the haunted you need, house. You need somebody huge to, to play yeah. that part. Either that or another one that we always said is that we need somebody huge or has a really huge personality. Because you could have a pretty tiny person as long as they could fill up a room, right? Oh, um, yeah. I've, I've seen tiny girls fit this role. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I've casted tiny girls that fit this role. So... It's it does take a certain type of personality and it is a really hard uh, role to fit. Like it's really hard to find actors that fit into this, which I think plays into the whole thing of you not really coming across them that often. Um, I particularly look for them because I kind of like them. Um, they tend to be really interesting. You have more face time with them. They're kind of like cue line actors again that you have a lot of face time with. Again, because they're trying to break up lines or, you know, hold you in place for whatever reason. Most of the time, honestly, from an actor perspective, it's because there's a group in front of you that's really slow and they don't yeah. want you to run into them. Uh, to be fair, I, I am the really uh, I'm weird when I go into haunted houses. Sometimes I'm really slow and I'm I'm that group that they're trying to keep you from running into. Um, but other times you know, like if I'm in a haunt that I've seen a hundred times before, I kind of just cruise through kind of quick. And it's, it's so frustrating for me <laughs> I because like, because like in a new haunt, I want to, I want to slow down. I want to stop. I want to look at things and ogle them and go, Oh, look at that. It's so cool. But you know, like other times it's just like, yeah, whatever this sucks. You know, like, I just... want to say that I'm jaunty. <laughs> I don't run. Um, I do try to take in as much as possible, especially as like a reviewer. But also there is that like really good thing of like, well, I don't want to run into the people ahead of me. I don't want the other people behind me to catch up. So I try to be jaunty, <laughs> like yeah. just fast enough. <laughs> yeah. You know, but the other problem, too, is like you could be moving through at a fairly quick pace, which I think I do more often than not and not intentionally. Um, but you know, it's it, it never fails that there's a group behind me and it's like either 13-year-old boys or 16-year-old girls and they are just booking it. Specifically and those they're, they're ages? And they're nipping at your heels. <laughs> yeah, they're like, it. it's always those two groups of people. It's always like, it's always like middle school boys and high school girls. Gotcha. They are, they're always nipping at my heels because they're like, they are terrified and then it's like, okay, fine, go, run, get ahead of me. I don't care. Like, I'm going to go at my pace, but 
I don't really have that much problem as like a patron kind of going through. There is definitely people that are runners. Um, sometimes, a lot of times, like there's, it's kind of actor driven because the idea of like an actor is to like push forward. And so if you could particularly scare the right group and you could scare the right group going forward, like that's like the nice sweet spot, right? Yeah. You don't really want, again, I just talked about intimidation scares of like how you hold the uh, customers or the patrons that are going through like in a room, like as a normal actor with jump scares or Jack and Jill scares, mannequin scares, whatever, like the main goal is to scare forward, like constantly push forward and get people running out of your room. So it kind of makes sense. Like why you do have runners (laughs) that are right behind you and meet up with your group. Um, If that's like kind of the philosophy of like every single haunted house that you go through. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense like why it happens. I haven't had them where, or any situation where it was particularly rude, but yeah, I've definitely been dragged through a haunted house accidentally. Like <laughs> it would be like a group and they're like, you're a part of our group now too. <laughs> you know, like, no. <laughs> that I, happened uh, my first year reviewing actually. Um, <laughs> we, we had encountered, I think it was like a mother and a daughter and they were both like just, totally freaked out and they just kind of like hid within us because you know three of us who are completely jaded we've seen everything and they're just like uh we're a part of your group now we're like oh no you're not (laughs) right you won't be scared going through with us um (laughs) it sounds horrible but yeah it's really hard to scare other haunters and it's hard to scare um like reviewers and it's not that we never get scared it's just hard yeah yeah, it's it's difficult, you know. Like I said, you know, we're we're kind of jaded. We've seen everything. We know what to expect and where. So it's I don't know. It 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 takes a really special, customized sort of scare to really get, uh, you know, a reviewer or um, you know, a haunter, especially, you know, especially somebody who's who's currently working in the industry. Forget it. You're not gonna you're not gonna really get them. Right. Um, you know, but but you know that being said, I've seen some really cool things that didn't scare me, but did make me stop and go, "Can you do that again? I want to see that happen. I want to see it happen one more time because it was that cool." Um, yeah. Uh, so I think the last type of scare uh, that most people are going to see, um, well, so really there's two, but so animatronics and props can be put into all of these other types of scares, right? So animatronics, props, that sort of thing can all be incorporated. Like we were talking about with the mannequins, you can do that with animatronics. Um, the white rabbit can be done with an animatronic. Um, any of the other ones. The jump scare. Totally, totally doable with all with animatronics. Um, so the really the last uh, unique type is going to be a gross out scare. And so this is going to be something where uh, you were telling me a story about how you, you filled your face with creamed corn and you'd vomited out. And yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, um, thank you. <laughs> so the gross out scare was my favorite scare as an actor. So yeah, it was creamed corn, uh, which is not really great. Like, throughout a whole entire night. So you're talking about five hours of cream corn. <laughs> I was going to say, that can't be good for your skin. 
Um, I don't know. Like, you could argue that it's moisturizing, like, <laughs> it coming out. And, like, I did a lot. Like, I put, uh, like, my hand and my fingers in my mouth to, like, help push cream corn back out. Um, I would just have my hand covered in cream corn and be, like, wiping it in my hair, my face, and all my clothes. Um, how the night would normally end is that it did. It just my face, my hair, my clothes would all be covered. I'm pretty sure the costumer loved me. Oh. Um, <laughs> right? No. Wardrobe. Wardrobe was my friend. Um, <laughs> oh, oh I, I'm sure I'm sure you're using that term friend very lightly. Here. Yeah, I had to watch. Like, I actually had to take on my own costume and wash it every night because yeah. day old cream corn also is like no bueno. <laughs> no. No. Um, so some other examples of this might be, um, you know, so like fake vomit, that sort of thing. Uh, fake poop is a really popular one. I think that, uh, you know, some people are, mm-hmm. you're going to be more likely to encounter the fake poop one. Um, and one one actor that comes to mind is at Demon Acres, there is Jojo the Clown. And he's, the last couple of times I've gone, he's been in this sort of bathroom scene. And uh, the first time I went, he had what he called to be a poopsicle. And I think what it was was like melting chocolate ice cream or maybe like frozen yogurt, that sort of thing. He had it inside of an upturned toilet plunger and he would like lick on it and stuff and he'd eat it. And so like it was obviously food because he was eating it all night. Um, but like, yeah, it totally looked like poop. Um, he offered me some and when it got close to me, it smelled like chocolate. So... I, I think it was ice cream of some sort. And you then the last just time it went, went for it, just go for I, it, go for the gross it, out, what? embrace it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and then the last time that he went, uh, so there's like a toilet in the scene because it's a bathroom and he had something in the toilet and he was like taking it out with like a ladle and like sipping on it and stuff. And, and he called it poo stew. Yeah. And I don't know what it was. I assume it was probably just water. Um, you know, or something in there, but like uh, that one was a little more gross, right? Right. I think it's more gross when they actually like it is some type of food. There's this whole like level of like, is it actually really sanitary for the actor to be messing with food so long? Um, yeah, I'm. You right. Know, and that's that's a health department <laughs> question. Um, right. You know, I think I think the line gets drawn at like, if the actor is bringing their own food. And they, you know, it's, they set it up and everything. You know, I think that's kind of where the haunt says, okay, you know, this is your thing then. Right. You know, because, because the haunt isn't saying, oh, you should do this or you shouldn't do that or whatever. You know, it's, it's the actor saying like, I'm going to bring this food. I'm going to eat this food. Exactly. And that was like my experience too, is that gross out again is my kind of favorite thing to act out because you don't actually really have to act all that much you just have to be disgusting eating disgusting food almost oatmeal oatmeal is great anyway oh yeah (laughs) i'm distracted slightly but yeah it was like my idea you know to bring oatmeal or to bring canned corn or whatever and like eat it you know kind of like through it but just being absolutely messy and sloppy and stuff with it it wasn't really like oh you're this character and obviously this is what this character does so i 
think that freedom was pretty nice. <laughs> oh, sure, yeah. Um, so one of the famous gross-out scares, I guess, in, in movie history is in The Exorcist, mm-hmm. uh, the scene with the with the vomit, the spinning head and the vomit. That was actually split pea soup. Yep. Um, that, that's the one that always comes to mind when somebody talks about this sort of scare, this sort of effect is, is the split pea soup in The Exorcist. Yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite scenes in a horror movie. <laughs> I don't care how cheesy it is. It's I love it. It's great. Um, especially that era. It, again, we're going on a lot of tangents, but that era did a lot of practical effects. So there was a lot oh, of yeah. like food being used for gross outs, for guts. And yeah, oh, for it was sure, a fun yeah. era, I think, of film. <laughs> oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah. They, well, they just didn't really have the technology to... Uh you know, to do the computerized digital effects there. So, you know, they had to come up with some way to make that effect happen in the scene and capture it with a camera. Right. You know, and, and I think it led to a lot more creativity, uh, you know, for filmmakers and, you know, just more interesting scenes in general. But that's, uh, you know, those days are long gone. I don't know. There's some movies that have done it recently, or I, I guess more modernly. You know, like uh, Paranormal Activity, the first the first two, I think, used all practical effects. Right. Um, which I just, I love it. I, I think it's cool. <laughs> you know, anybody could go in a computer and animate something. It's, it takes a whole level of engineering to be like, how do we make cabinet doors slam open? Yeah, right. So, uh, but unfortunately, that is all we have time for this week. Uh, we are. I know, we're over on time. <laughs> Uh, you know, but yeah, you know, well, within editing, it's going to come down to about an hour. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, make sure you hit that like button, subscribe, and, uh, follow us on all of the platforms wherever podcasts are sold. Are podcasts sold? I don't know. Every time somebody says, like, wherever you get your podcast, I always think, like, wherever podcasts are sold. Yeah. Know, I'm going on a tangent again. Uh, anyway. Hit that like button, leave a comment, subscribe, do all the fun social stuff, share this with your friends. If they don't know who we are, we are the Scare Factor. I have been Brian. And I'm Tiffany. And we'll see you next week. Okay, that's it for today. We'll catch you back here tomorrow, where we're going on locations to Evil Intentions Haunted House to hear about their 2022 season. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope. Support for this episode comes from Gantam Lighting and Controls. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com demo. We release a free weekly industry newsletter. Sign up on our website or at the link in our show notes. The Haunted Attraction Network team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Louise Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Maximus Bryant. Our partner stations include A Scott in the Dark, Scare Track, The Scare Factor, and Haunt Topic Radio. Finally, please, please, please rate and subscribe to our show wherever you're listening. And until next time, Haunters, stay scary. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.